Darkness fans, and welcome back to the Realm of Darkness podcast. My name is Phil. So this week, I thought I would share some of my personal experiences with the paranormal. Um, I think it should come to no surprise that I have experienced paranormal, uh, or at least believe that I have, to be having hosting a paranormal-themed podcast. A lot of people in my family, even my mom, has believed in, in paranormal and always was always, was always op- open about that. And so I think naturally I have a tendency to lean more that way in believing in the paranormal and believing the things that I see or hear could be paranormal. But there's also instances that I've had that I think, even if I tried to debunk it, I probably couldn't. Um, and so this week I want to share some of those experiences that range from shadow people to Bigfoot to to ghosts. Um, and most of them are, are unrelated, right? Uh, shadow people and, and ghosts specifically not being one and the same. So I'll start with shadow people just because I think for me that that's the most fascinating because I have no idea what they are, where they come from. There's so many theories out there about what they are that I think that draws my attention a little bit more than ghosts, right? Because with ghosts, it's either a residual haunting, which is the residual energy of a situation stuck in a place, or it is a person haunting. Um, whereas shadow people, there's there's so many different theories out there that each one makes the experience a little bit more interesting. My first experience with shadow people, I would say I was seven or eight. And I had fallen asleep on the couch. I woke up. It was still dark outside, so I think it was it was probably winter. And where I was was in our our living room. So there's a couch and then kind of catty corner to the couch to the right was this swiveling chair. The chair was facing the TV. When I opened my eyes, I looked over at the chair and it was sitting still, but I thought I saw a figure in the chair. For a moment, I thought maybe it was my mom or my dad. Then the chair started to move. And I quickly realized that it was neither of them. That the figure in the chair was completely black. Exactly like you would expect a shadow to look. Had no discernible features. Couldn't see any clothing. And and mind you, the room isn't pitch black. There's a window on the back wall that lets in moonlight 
Um, my my parents always kept a light that was over the um, sink in the kitchen on, and the kitchen was connected to this room, and there was no door to this room. So the light that would come in from the kitchen would come into this room a little bit, right? So it wasn't a pitch black room, but yet this figure looked as if it were completely dark. I could, I could make out the color of the chair, which was a green chair. And the figure was completely black and it had no facial features that I could tell other than these red glowing eyes. So imagine a, a, a record button on a camera or, or on, on any type of device, like a VCR or something like that, that deep dark red where there's like a light behind it. That's what it looked like. And so as the chair was turning, this figure turned towards me and stopped. So then the chair stopped moving and it looked at me. I closed my eyes as as tight as I could. Didn't want to move. I didn't want it to know that I was awake or that I had seen it. And I don't know how long I, I laid there. I mean, it wasn't very long. And then I heard my dad wake up. And he came into the kitchen, turned on the light. And as soon as I heard him, and as, as soon as I heard that switch flip, something inside of me just said go. And so I jumped over the back of the couch, sprinted past him through the kitchen, into my parents' room and, and into their bed. Uh, my mom was still there asleep. And mind you, I, I'm not an only child, but neither my brother nor sister lived at home at this time. They're both you know, considerably older than me. Uh, both of them had their own families at this point. Um, all that to say that, you know, it's just me, my mom and my dad that lived in the home. So this figure shouldn't have been there. There was no reason for it to be there. Now, the next time I saw shadow people, I was 16 to 17 for about that, that year. So almost, almost 10 years, give or take. Uh, and that started after my dad died. So when my dad died, I, you know, entered a, a deep depression, um, really started isolating a little bit. And I would every so often see them. Now the experience was completely different because when I was a child and I saw it, it was in my home it clear as day was there um, and it would and it clearly turned and it looked at me right but at this point when I'm 16 17 years old it's almost more fleeting like I would see them outside I would see them at a distance and if I did see them in the house or wherever I was it was almost like they were just in my peripheral and I, and I saw somebody move, right? A, a very, your, your mind kind of picks up on, on those little things, right? 
And so I could tell it was a human shape with no nothing standing out about it other than it was this pitch black figure that looked human. And then I would look and, uh, of course, nothing would be there. So this this went on for about a year um, and then maybe a year and a half of every so often just seeing them here and there. And, and it never really had a rhyme or reason. Like it wasn't days that I felt worse. Um, they would be there and then other days they wouldn't. So I'm not sure what they were and I, and I haven't seen them since maybe once or, or twice since I was 17. So about 17 years ago, it's been about 17 years since I've, I've seen them. Um, and so I don't know initially my thought at 16 or 17 was that, you know, they were feeding off of this negative energy I had, right? These negative emotions I had, I was fueling that out into the universe and so this it was manifesting itself physically in in this way but when I was six or seven years old you know that wasn't a thing I at least wasn't projecting any type of negativity out there six or seven I had a very happy childhood a lot of fun um so you know there it didn't make sense if that was the reason that I would have seen seen one at six or seven years old. So honestly, I don't know what shadow people are. You know, I don't know if they are, uh, I don't want to say beings, but spirits that are not human, good or evil. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I really tried to think back when I was uh, 16 or 17, what happened when I was six or seven? What was going on that may have triggered a shadow person to, to come to me? And I really couldn't think of anything. So um, I don't know that it was just because of that negative energy that I was putting out into the universe or if it was something completely unrelated. Uh, or if maybe they were two different types of shadow people. You know, I have no idea. All I know is that the first time I saw when I was six or seven, terrified me. Uh, absolutely terrified me. Like, I can still vividly remember it. And I know I wasn't dreaming because I consciously told myself to keep my eyes shut. And I could physically feel my eyes hurting. Right? Right? So it wasn't like I had dreamed this experience and then I woke up and I was like, oh, it was a dream. Um, and I could, I distinctly remember my dad walking into the kitchen, coughed, turned on the TV, flipped the light switch, you know, and, I, and then I jumped over the couch. So I wasn't asleep when I saw it. Now, the next next one would be Bigfoot. And Bigfoot is one that's always fascinated me, and, and I'm a big advocate that Bigfoot is real for the sole reason that there's so much unexplored nature in America alone, let alone the rest of the world, 
that has never been touched or at least hasn't been touched in centuries that something couldn't live out there. Right. And I know they, a lot of people who don't believe in Bigfoot point to there's never been a body found and so on and so forth. But realistically, if you're in the middle of nowhere and your intention is to not be seen, number one, a lot of people probably aren't going to be around where you're dying in the first place. Secondly, when something dies in nature, it very quickly breaks down and other animals come in and feed on it. Uh, Other things, you know, take take the bones and carry them off. So it's not unreasonable to think that you would never find a Bigfoot body. And that's just basic nature, right? That's not even accounting for the fact that if it is an intelligent creature that doesn't want to be found, that they are burying their, their dead or, you know, hiding their, their bodies. So at a minimum, Nature, just doing what nature does, is a great way for people to not find these these bodies. So my, I don't know if this was my first experience, but I know my most vivid experience, um, when I was in middle school, my mom, dad, and I took a trip out west, and we went all the way to California and, and back. And when we were in California, we stopped at Yellowstone. And I don't know what part of Yellowstone this was. I mean, Yellowstone's a massive, massive park, national park. Um, But I, I remember we were driving up this hill. And on one side, it was a kind of a clearing that led into the woods. And then on the other side was the woods. And when we got to Yellowstone, they were talking about the bears and, um, you know, what to do if you see a bear, how many bears are out there and all of these things. And there were no cars around us. Um, we, we weren't the only cars, only people there, obviously. And there were cars on the road, but when we were coming up this hill, there were no cars behind us. I was in the back seat, looking out the back window, um, looking at all the, the trees and nature and everything. And as we, as we topped the crest of this hill, this figure stood from the grass in this clearing. And I don't want to give a height because I have no idea, but it was tall. And it was completely covered in fur. And the fur was almost black. And this very tall, very hairy creature walked on two legs across the street or across the road and into the woods. And I know it wasn't a bear only because that same day we were driving, you know, through the wooded part of Yellowstone, um, or maybe this was the Redwoods, I'm not sure. But I know at some point we were in, in a national forest, same trip, still in California. Um, 90% sure it was Yellowstone. 
and we saw bears on the side of the road. And so being from Indiana, that was the coolest thing ever to see bears in the middle of the woods, just out and about doing their thing. So we stopped, um, and you could clearly see the bear. I could see its fur, so I could tell what colors they were. I could see the body of the bear, so I knew what its body was like. And one of the the bears, I think they were, it was two cubs, and so they were play fighting, and they were standing up on two feet. And it did not look anything like what walked across the road. What walked across the road looked like a human. It moved kind of human-like, but it didn't look human, right? Whereas the bears, you could very clearly tell this is an animal that's standing on two feet or two legs. It's a completely different different perspective. Like you can, you can tell when something naturally walks on two feet and when something can walk on two feet. You know what I mean? Like when a human walks on two feet, it's natural. It's fluid. When you see an animal standing on two feet, you see an animal that can do it, but it doesn't look natural. And so that's, that's how I compared the two on that trip, whatever it was that walked across the road. I mean, the way it looked and the way I've heard Bigfoot described, that's what I'm assuming it was. And then having seen the bear and, and knowing, you know, what they look like up close much closer than this thing that walked across the street was knowing about their height, what their body looks like standing on two feet within, you know, a couple of hours of each other. That, that made a cement for me that whatever I saw was not a bear. The next time I had a Bigfoot experience was in Brown County State Park. And if you listen to my episode um, a couple of weeks ago about Bigfoot in Indiana, Brown County is one of those areas where a lot of sightings have happened. Now, this time I didn't actually see a Bigfoot. It was more what I heard. And this was... This was before any of those shows came out. You know... um, hunting Bigfoot or, or whatever they are. So I hadn't seen any of these shows at this point. Right. So I didn't, and I wasn't big into researching Bigfoot. I had that experience in middle school. And so I, I believed Bigfoot was real, but I didn't know that they were known for tree knocks or hollers and and things like that, screaming and, and, and all of those things. So I had no idea. So I'm taking a hike through Brown County Um, and I'm on a a designated trail, but it's been kind of rainy and nobody else is, is really out there. And off in the distance where if you were to look at it from an aerial view, 
the trail wraps around to the right. So what I'm hearing is coming straight ahead, um, a little bit to the left, way off the trail. And I'm hearing these tree knocks. Sounds like somebody's saying a, a Louisville slugger to a big oak tree is what it sounds like. And it sounds like it's several miles away. So I continue my hike. I'm not knowing what it is. I, I know it's not a, a woodpecker because where we lived at the time, we had woodpeckers and I would hear them all the time. And so I knew it wasn't a woodpecker just because of the way it was making the sound. It wasn't like a, a rhythmic or constant. It was boom, 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 kind of like that. And it didn't, it didn't scare me because, again, I didn't know that tree knocks were a thing. So I'm continuing on my hike, and I start hearing something walking in the woods to my left, still off the trail. So I'm assuming it's an animal, a deer or a squirrel, raccoon, something. And then I notice it sounds really big. And it's following me. Meaning that when when the the trail wraps around one direction, it wraps the same direction. So it's not like it was a deer going straight and just walking through the woods and maybe I see it cross the, the trail or or if the the trail goes wraps back around the other direction, it keeps going. It's following the trail, but it's you know 25, 30 yards off trail and it's it's far enough in the woods that I can't see it through the trees. And it's big. So now I'm thinking, well, that's really weird. I don't know what that is. And so I start walking faster. It starts walking faster. And then we get to this clearing um, where the, the trail ends and you come out into like this parking area. And it's it doesn't come out. It's not following me out of out of the woods, whatever it was. So I don't know necessarily that that was a Bigfoot, but it was a really weird experience. And since then, several years after that, I got into hunting. And so I've spent more and more time in the woods. um, And I've seen deer in the woods. I've heard deer walking. I've heard raccoons and um, squirrels. You know, all, all of those things. And in, in central Indiana, even southern Indiana, really, deer is the biggest thing you're going to find in the woods other than humans. And deer are surprisingly quiet when they walk through the woods. They're very delicate. They're... You don't usually hear them. And if you do, it's because they're running off, right? But but it, they're not heavy. They don't sound heavy. Even in the middle of the fall, and say it's been a dry fall, they don't sound heavy when they walk. 
They found they sound very deliberate. Whatever I heard was not deliberate. It was very heavy. So again, I don't know, you know, necessarily that either of these were were Bigfoot, but from my understanding of Bigfoot, that's the best thing that I can come up with. And so until there's there's proof that it could be something else, that's what I'm going with. So my next experiences were with ghosts, you know, typical paranormal, and I've had quite a few. I think ghostly experiences are probably the things that I've experienced the most. So I'm going to start with Gettysburg just because I think that one's probably the easiest. Um, My family and I have been to Gettysburg a few times. I'm a huge history buff and my mom, like I said, is really into the paranormal. So it's kind of a win-win, right? Because my most of my family is into the, the paranormal, especially hauntings and things like that. So when if we go as a family, everybody gets that part of them, their interest filled. Uh, and then I get that, but also the, the history aspect of it, especially the importance of the Civil War. Uh, but anyway, there was one, the last time I went, was with my mother, my fiancé at the time, now wife, and her mother. So we, I forget the name of the the two inns now, but the the one inn we stayed in had at one point been uh, used as a a, a Confederate hospital during the Battle of Gettysburg. And... We had two experiences in this room. The first one, we, my wife, um, she always had to sleep with the TV on. It just helped her go to sleep. So we turned on, um, I think it was like SVU or something, right? Something on USA Network, which if you don't know, has shows like SVU. Sometimes they show movies, things like that. So that's on. We're watching that and we fall asleep. The remote now, remind you, is, I don't know, maybe five feet away from the bed on a nightstand. So the, the, the remote isn't in bed with us. It's across the room and it's on a very obvious channel. Like you, you do recognize it. So fast forward to the morning, we wake up. And there's cartoons on. And I'm thinking, well, that's weird. I don't remember cartoons ever being on USA Network. I've never seen cartoons on this channel. And so I'm laying there and I'm just kind of listening. And then I look over to the the nightstand. I'm thinking, well, maybe she changed in the middle of the night. And the remote is right where I left it. And so I ask her, I'm like, did you change the channel? Last night, she says, no, why? And so I look at the TV and it's on Cartoon Network. So if you've, if you watch Cartoon Network at any point, they have a, a watermark at the bottom as all, I don't know if all, but I know USA Network and Cartoon Network both specifically have a, a little watermark in, in the bottom corner, you know, branding their channel. So that was really weird. 
Then uh, the next night, my mom gave us a tape recorder to because we had told her about what had happened. And so she gave us a tape recorder to put in our room while we were you know, out during the day. And I put it on top of a dresser. We were leaving. I put up the do not disturb sign. We left, did our thing, came back. Tape recorder is nowhere to be found. Come to find out it was clear across the room on the nightstand. And I have no idea how it got there. But while we were staying there, we found out that it was reported a little boy haunted this inn. So now things are starting to make sense. It would make sense that a little boy would change from something like SVU to Cartoon Network. It would make sense that they would see this tape recorder and move it. Um, and I don't know if anything was caught on the tape recorder. I didn't listen to it. And then the next place that I'll talk about is Randolph County Asylum here in Indiana. Um, nothing specific, I guess, but it, it, it was just a really interesting place. Again, the history was fascinating. Um, but while there, I, I, I was touched on my leg at least twice. Um, I heard voices, I heard footsteps, and there was one room where they reported people played with Ouija boards and, and mess with some occult stuff and taking their word for it. I assume that happened there. But when we walked in this room, before they even started telling us about what the room had been, what had happened there, I had this sense of dread. My whole body came cold and I almost felt ill. Um, now, before we ever went to Randolph, we also went to Waverly. Now, Waverly was a very interesting place where we had tons of experiences. So if you know anything about Waverly Hills, there was this essentially a patio that ran the length of the building on the second and third floor. And the idea was that you would roll the patients out. And as part of their treatment, they would sit in the sun because it was believed that the sunlight and the vitamin D helped kill TB and help with their immune systems. So anyway, we're on the second or third floor. I forget which one, but I use my cam my phone camera and I take a picture down this long patio. And on the left of the picture is a very clear shadow figure. I mean, it, it's a very clear shadowy figure and you can see through it, right? But there's parts of it, especially... Uh, I believe the upper left, like shoulder and arm area, almost appear solid, right? So you can't really see, you can see through it, but it's, it's a lot harder than the middle of the body. Nobody else was on the patio. There was nothing that should have reflected that. Um, so I was convinced at that point that I had gotten a picture of some something, so can we continue the, the tour and the investigation? The investigation was an, an overnighter. Uh, same area, second or third floor. I'm walking down the hallway and I hear this loud thunderous crash. 
So I turn around, I'm looking, and finally I find the room that it came from. There's these two other ladies in there that were recording audio, and they had said that this steel gate fell off the fell from the wall. So I had already been in this room before they got there. And I distinctly remember the steel door that they're talking about. It was a heavy door. Um, Again, it was steel. And it was laid... It was leaned against the wall in such a way that if it were to fall, it would have fallen backwards. Right? Because gravity. It's not going to raise up and flip the other way against gravity, especially at that weight. But yet somehow it did. And I suppose it's possible that these two ladies, you know, did it themselves. But I remember tugging on the door when I was in there and it was pretty heavy. Um, it's not impossible that they could have done it, but it's unlikely. Also at Waverly, um, we heard um, voices when we were like the only ones on the floor, things like that. And then there, somebody had a, a voice box. This was long before I knew what a voice box was. And we were in this room, um, and it was like an autopsy room when it was a hospital, and you could hear people having a conversation. Another thing you heard was classical music. And that's interesting because during the tour, they said that this the um, doctor who did the autopsies loved listening to classical music. Or, or something to that effect. There was a tie to, of classical music to the guy that did the autopsies. And so this person with his voice box, hearing that come over, come through there, was was certainly interesting. And, and I don't know how to explain it away. Like, I, there's no reason it should have been there. And of all the types of music... For it to be classical after they had said classical music had a significance here. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I can't explain that. Now, the, the place where I had the most experiences was actually a house I, I consider I grew up in. So my mom, dad, and I lived in a house until I was four years old, which was very, very haunted. Um, but I... Like I said, I left when I was four. We moved from that house. So my experiences are, are pretty limited. I think it'd be cool to have, you know, my family on on one time to tell you about their experiences in the house. But the house we grew up in, that I grew up in, we moved to when I was uh, four. And I lived there until I was 17. Now, this house was an old house. I think it was built in the 50s or 60s um, and it was really unique because it had a sitting room you'd walk into the house from the front room or front door into a sitting room and then it would lead directly into a kitchen or you could go down a hallway 
Down the hallway was a bathroom and three bedrooms. You go into the kitchen. Um, the washer dryer was there, the water heater, uh, maybe the furnace. And then we had the kitchen table and, you know, all the kitchen things. So the kitchen was very long and there was like a, almost a, a window essentially that you couldn't see through unless you were standing on the dining room seat. So it was kind of high up, which it was weird. Uh, but you could see into the, the sitting room. Now, the kitchen had a second door that led into the living room. And in the living room, we had a couch, a chair, a TV, and then directly behind the couch. So if you walked through the kitchen into this living room, on the left was the living room and the right was a bathroom. And then you keep going straight and there's the garage. So it was interesting that it was a big square, basically. And then the sitting room and the living room, were on, they shared a wall. And when my parents moved in, they had a double-sided fireplace built. So from either the living room or the sitting room, you could see through into the other. Right. And if you have a fire going, you could be in either room and, and enjoy the fire. So in this house, I think my dad was the first one to really notice anything. Uh, he had broken his leg, I don't know, maybe five or six years old. And he was in the living room, which happened to be the same room I saw the shadow person when I was six or seven. Uh, he would sleep on the couch because it was easier for him to elevate it or, or whatever. I don't know, but he was sleeping on the couch and I think I had chicken pox. And so we were kind of quarantined out there, but he was home alone. I don't know if I was at school before I got the chicken pox or whatever. Um, but he said that he, the, the bathroom door would open and then close itself and he could hear the latch turning. Now, my sister also had experienced this when she was over babysitting or, um, I don't know, she was over for something. I know she had, had experienced that too. And then when I got older, um, when I was in middle school and high school, I would experience that. I would hear the latch turn and the door open and close. And it was never like, um, a rhyme or reason, right? It wasn't, like conditions were had to be a certain way and it would happen. It was very random, very sporadic. Another thing that my dad experienced was in and my mom as well that I never experienced, whenever they they'd be in the sitting room connected to the front door, there would be two knocks and then nothing. And then two knocks and nothing. So the way the sitting room was oriented, on the left wall was the front door. On the main wall, meaning the, the front wall, was this large window that went almost all the way across. And then on the right wall was another window. The door had windows on the top of it. If somebody ran straight from 
the front door. They would go into the woods, but they would have to run around a, a porch swing and a tree. If they were to run in front of the house, obviously they would run in front of the window. Right. And so there was really nowhere for somebody to go if they're playing ding dong ditch and not be seen. But on several occasions, my parents would hear the two knocks, open the door, nobody there. And almost as soon as they turn around, the two knocks would happen again. And so, you know, they're, they're opening the door very quickly because they're already right there and nobody would be there. So that happened a lot. Now, for me, the things that happened to me the most were seeing and hearing things. So a lot of times I'd be coming home from school or um, particularly in high school, or I'd be home by myself, whatever the case is. And in the living room, again, the same room where I saw the shadow figure, I would hear a conversation like people talking. Sometimes it would even sound like a group of people talking. And so I'd go in there expecting the TV to be on and the TV would be off. Right. And, and understand, too, our, the way our house was, this was it was in a neighborhood, but it wasn't like what you would think of as suburbia, I guess. Like the house behind us was a good 30 or 40 yards away. The house in front of us was probably 100 yards away and it was downhill through the woods. Houses to our left, again, through the woods, there was a, a gully in between us and then them, probably 100 yards, maybe a little less. But I mean, there, there, there's a lot of space is what I'm saying. So it's not like now in the house I live in now, I hear voices. I'm almost 100% certain it's somebody standing outside. Right, because the houses are so close together, the walls are so thin. This is a brick house in the woods, more or less, and the houses weren't right up on you. And the voices would stop as soon as I'd go into the, the living room. So this happened a lot. That was probably the, the thing that happened to me the most. And I know that happened to other people there too. Now, the other thing that happened a lot in this home was with that double-sided fireplace, I would actually hear the front door open. I would see one, two, three, four people walking through the living room. I would even hear them talking sometimes, go down the hallway and go into one of the rooms. So if you remember when I described the house in the beginning, when you come into the house, you go right from the front door and down that hallway is three bedrooms and a bathroom. There's, there's no exit. You're not getting out of the house, right? So I would see or hear these people come in and a lot of the times I would assume it was my parents getting off of work or, or whatever. Um, and if they went into a room... I would, you know, look through the the glass and nothing. So I'd get up and I'd go and I would start looking at the in the rooms and nobody would be there. And a few times when I would see this these figures walk 
through the living room, I would actually call out, hey, mom, hey, dad, you know, welcome home, whatever. And I would get no response. And so I would go, I would run through the kitchen to meet him and nobody would be there. Right. And I, the, the nice thing about that is that I wasn't the only one to experience that. Like I've, I experienced that with other people in the room with me thinking it was my parents were home. Right. I was with my niece and we saw and we assumed, Hey, my parents are home or my best friend. Hey, mom and dad's home. Nope. (laughs) Nobody, nobody was there. Not a soul completely by myself. And I always, always hated being in the living room by myself with the lights off. Like I couldn't do it. I had to have the TV on. Um, and it, it, usually the the part that made me feel the weirdest was by the back bathroom, uh, which is the, 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 the door that would open and close by itself. But this is also the room where I saw the shadow figure, right? And so I don't know if that apprehension was necessarily the room itself or if, because subconsciously I remembered this is where I'd seen this figure that scared the holy bejesus out of me, right? I don't know. But that room was definitely a weird room. Like it, it just had a weird energy to it. Um, as did the living room or the, the sitting room, because that's where the, you would hear the knocks on the front door. That's where I would see figures walking. Um, the back living room is also, again, where I heard voices, uh, like full-blown conversations and stuff, not just a voice, but full-blown conversations. And then when my mom and I were moving out of the house after my dad died, um, she decided to leave a tape recorder there out of curiosity because everybody had had experiences in this house. Everybody. I did, my mom did, my dad did, my sister, you know, all my friends, like everybody had experienced something in this house. And so knowing that, hey, we're moving out, we're not going to be here, it doesn't really matter. Like if we catch something on tape because we're not going to have to deal with it, essentially. Uh, So she left a tape recorder and we, I don't know, we left, went to dinner, whatever we did, and then came back and we listened to it. And we listened to it for about a half hour, didn't really hear anything. We were just about to turn it off when we heard a man and a woman and it I think the the male the male voice said get out the woman voice said no the male voice said get out now and the woman voice said make me and then there's a loud bang or clap right and so the first time I heard it you hear the get out so I'm a, I don't know, a junior or senior in high school at this point. And so my first thought is The Exorcist or um, Amityville Horror, right? Because that was a big line in that movie is the ghost saying, get out. So that's the first thing that pops into my head. Uh, and then, you know, you hear the woman, hear the man, hear the woman, and then the bang. So I don't know if the bang was like hyperbole gunshot or a slap or a hit or what but there was a big bang and then it's quiet so we're, we're listening to this and we're like well that's really weird and we're thinking well maybe it's you know again brick house not really near any anybody else 
Um, so unlikely that something that clear would be coming from outside, but you know, maybe, maybe that's what it was. And so we listened a little bit longer, listened a little bit longer. And it was like every 20 or 30 minutes, this would replay exact same, same tone, same phrases, same words, same bang every 20 to 30 minutes. And it was over like a two or three hour time. So it it played, you know, three or four times or maybe five times. And it was the same every single time. Um, So, yeah, that that one, I think, was definitely a residual. And so with that, I don't know if anything ever happened in the house. Like, I don't know if this was a residual of a murder or maybe it was residual energy of a couple having a fight and somebody hit somebody. Right. Not necessarily because the idea that energy is everything, right? If that could have been a very traumatic or very emotional moment for this person or this couple. And so their energy being there, being stuck in that environment, it wouldn't be surprising to me. Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be death or anything like that for it to be residual. It's just the energy replaying itself. And so uh, I don't know. I don't know that anybody ever died in the house other than, you know, my dad. But um, clearly something happened either in the house or on the land that needed to replay itself. And so that house growing up really solidified for me that the paranormal is real. There are things out there I can't explain. I don't know if they're ghosts. I don't know, you know, what it is, but it's definitely something and it's definitely real. So I'm really interested to know what your experiences are, whether it's shadow people, Bigfoot, ghosts, or something else entirely. Share with me your most interesting paranormal stories. Um, I'd love to hear them, love to hear about them, maybe even get you on the show to share with the rest of the audience. So thank you again for tuning into the Realm of Darkness. I hope you have a great morning, afternoon, or evening. And until next time, have a great day. (laughs) 